Welcome to Talking Tuesday. I am your host, Fancy Quant, and today we are going to talk about quant careers during a financial crisis. I know there's like a looming economic crisis on the horizon. Many people are still somewhat delusioned on, oh, it'll magically go away. Um, but no, I think this is pretty certain at this point. Um, but two students reached out, and I believe I had a few other questions in the last like six months here, where people have asked, you know, Dimitri, I'm either in a master's, or two students from Cornell are either accepted the program or current students. They're trying to figure out, should I, you know, accept the offer or should I postpone the offer a year or two out, wait for the crisis to happen and then get a job here? So these are kind of valid questions on what paths are available in quant finance. Should you wait for the crisis to end? Um, you know, what should you do here? So I'm going to talk about this kind of in two parts. The first part is going to be traditional quant finance, buy side versus sell side, different types of firms, discussions on where to go, what to do, what's going to be more available during a crisis. And then the second part is going to be talking about, you know, the new side of quant finance. So things are like fintech and the cryptocurrency realm and talking about those sorts of careers during a crisis. And now kind of we're seeing a, I don't know, speculation here on like a crypto winter. And I think also we're seeing like an AI winter kind of setting in with this. So let me talk about traditional quant finance first, and then we'll dive into um, the new fun, exciting things within our uh, you know, economic crises and recession here. So to start off with quant finance, you really have two kind of halves here. That's how like people like to think about it. Uh, people typically think about it as buy side versus sell side. Um, it's not quite that simple, but I like to break it down a little more onto like the, you know, buy side is really like investing wealth management, you know, things that people that buy assets here, sell side is going to be banks. Like for me, sell side, just banks. Uh, banks, so let's just break this down here. Banks are going to do things such as loans, mortgages, credit cards. Uh, they're creating some sort of asset, even like fun and exciting derivative products, right? Which is not so common these days. Those are all things that are on the sell side, the banking side. In general, banking is slow. Uh, it's a driven mainly by regulatory requirements because banks don't really like to manage their risks. No firm really likes to manage their risks. And I'll talk about the hedge fund side on this as well. But they have this mandate as of 2010, I believe, with the Dodd-Frank Act. Uh, CCAR started my career. It sparked my career. It really you know, set it off. I joined the workforce after my master's in 2014. So Dodd-Frank, CCAR, regulations, banks required to hire more quants to model things out. Uh, that was in 2010, wasn't until about 2012 when these things kind of really started getting implemented. And then I joined in 2014, which was like, they kind of had things up and going, but not quite. And it was still a booming area. So that's where I dove in on the sell side or banking side here. Again, banks, super slow, super, I don't want to say conservative because banks make a lot of really stupid decisions, but the products they buy don't move very fast. And you know, banks can do things like wealth management, but banks are not allowed to do proprietary trading or prop trading, meaning banks can't buy assets, take positions, and then let the markets play out and make money on their own. That's not what banks are allowed to do here in the United States. Um, now, on contrary, on the flip side of this, right, you have the buy side, which is kind of fragmented a bit. And by fragmented, I mean, you have like the really risky hedge funds, pure prop funds, right? They have a bunch of money from a bunch of fairly wealthy investors and employees and whatnot, and they're out to make a lot of money 
for the sake of making money. That's just what they're doing here. Um, now, you also have things that are like wealth management. So I guess you could kind of pocket in these high risks into wealth because wealthy individuals tend to invest in a mix of assets and you know firm types, risky hedge funds and all that. But you also have giant firms, quant funds, for example, as well, that are focusing on like wealth management in the sense of like retirement funds, index funds. Um, they're going to be engineering and creating investment vehicles, assets, right? Portfolios realistically on how to kind of just balance and go with the markets. They're looking to beat the markets, but they're trying to do it somewhat conservatively. They're not looking to leverage ridiculously. They're just there to make good investments um, for these massive pension funds, retirement funds, right? That's where a lot of the money is at. So you have the risky side and you have the safe side kind of on the buy side as well. Career-wise, everybody likes to go into the fun and exciting prop trading realm and everyone's going to be quant traders and they're going to make millions of dollars and the salaries are going to start at a half million plus and oh, you know, it's great and wonderful and, you know, rainbows and butterflies. No, this is not really the quant side people talk about because realistically that side rarely ever exists for individuals. Um, now, don't get me wrong, there are people that have done that, but there are very, very few of these jobs available. There are very, very few people that have those skills. And so in general, we're not going to talk about the pie in the sky, you know, half million dollar starting salary ranges here. Realistically, when you get into a lot of these funds, you're going to be making 100 and something, 120, 140. Again, but you have high risk and you can have big bonuses. And so the compensation is what's enticing for a lot of these young students joining quant finance. But with that, it is extremely high risk, especially these prop firms that pay big money for bonuses. So when a financial crisis hits, a recession hits, these jobs are going to be obliterated. A lot of these firms are going to go belly up because no surprise, as I've been saying for years now, everybody makes money when the market's going up. Like almost everybody's making money. All these firms have existed. Money is blowing up. You know, the government's printing money essentially in a way of creating more assets, more investments, more dollars. So everybody's kind of sucking up these dollars from the incompetency of the United States government. And so magically, the stock market goes up as well. You've had inflationary pressure way before we've discussed inflation as a serious problem here. Um, even the last five years, I'd say, you start to see prices kind of moving slowly upward. You see stock prices that are way overvalued. Again, you have too many dollars floating around and not having anything to do. And they're being piled into the stock market, which has been driving the stock market as well as the cryptocurrency um, assets as well. It's been driving all this up because there's too much supply. And so what's going to happen when this crashes is a lot of those high, exciting, fun jobs with big bonuses are no longer going to exist. And a lot of the people in those are going to get fired. And we're going to have a pool of high-risk quants who don't fully understand risk management. And unfortunately, quantitative finance is nothing more than risk management. You can relabel quantitative finance. It's just risk management. That's what quantitative finance is in a nutshell. So you can go even go back into like financial engineering products and derivatives, and they're created to manage risk and separate risk out and divvy the risk between different candidates who agree to take different portions of different risks of specific assets. So you take assets, you break them all apart. Uh, and again, you can do like replication of derivative products. You can buy stocks and bonds into a replicating portfolio. And that is a way to create synthetic options. Again, managing risk, spreading risk. You're just divvying risk up and getting compensated for that. Again, a lot of these funds I don't think are going to do so well during the financial crisis because, again, they haven't been managing their risks. They're just trying to seek out how do we maximize profit. And unfortunately, a lot of people have turned a blind eye to the risk they're taking on for the profits they're gaining. So that side, I think it's going to be available, but there's going to be 
not many jobs if we hit this financial crisis, right? So if you want those big, exciting, fun prop jobs, uh, those prop quant jobs, research and trading side, and quant dev as well, those are going to be, I would say, the most risky positions, risky jobs in general. Again, high comp, high risk, same as a financial investment here. That's going to be a really hard part to get into, at least for a few years. So crises happen, depending on which crises we've had, I would argue between two and five years to really see markets kind of like restabilize, dollars start to get reallocated, investing starting to pick back up again. Um, I'd argue probably after 2008, we started to see some pickup in about 2010. So that's about a two-year period, but you could argue 2012-ish, about a four-year. It's not important, but you'll see that's going to be the hardest hit side. That's going to be the highest risk side in jobs. That's just how hedge funds and quants work. Now, if you work on the buy side and you work in wealth management, I can see working in these jobs are going to be fairly stable. Again, there might be some layoffs. There might be some thinning of the herd, but you'll see some nice jobs available, I think, on this side. Wealth management is slower on these like things for like 401k and investments and retirement accounts and these really, really big asset accounts. They move slow. They watch the market. Again, consumers, people that have like 401k plans are going to get penalized for taking money out. So most people just let it sit and ride. Again, bonuses, if there's big bonuses with these or generous bonuses in general, we'll see these shrink. But there should still be a little bit of stability. You know, there'll be some thinning here. Definitely not as bad as we see on the prop side. And then going back over to the sell side, I think the sell side is going to probably be the safest, but we will also see, I think, thinning and layoffs here because we are massively overbloated now. Um, a few of the banks I've been looking at have been thinning out a little bit as the crisis is getting near. And when I mean that, they're just kind of going through the staff saying this person's not adding a lot of value. This project wasn't so great that these people were on. That's all they've been doing for the last, you know, four or five years. How do we thin these out? How do we get rid of a few of kind of this dead weight and lean up here as we kind of hit this financial crisis and this rough patch? Um, but again, banking is slow. People think it's boring, right? You don't want to do credit risk. You don't want to do mortgages. You know, it's just the sell side. The buy side's fun and exciting. It has these big bonuses. But on the sell side here, so on the banking side, we see it's more stable. And of course, regulations hit. Um, they've all hit mainly the banking sector. And every time that there are more regulations implemented, they start to realize, hey, we're not really managing our risks. Hey, the banks don't know what they're doing. You know, so the knee-jerk reaction is hire more quants, hire more you know, risk managers here. So we won't call them quants because that's a dirty word of, you know, high risk, high seeking, you know, prop trading. We'll call them risk managers here. So we'll hire a bunch of risk managers here and they'll manage our risk and make things better. They'll implement even more regulation like CCAR and DFAS and CCL and IFRS 9. And we'll keep adding and layering more and more and more regulations. And this will fix all of our problems. I'm not going to go too much into this. No, CCAR and DFAS has been a massive failure across the board. No, it's not going to save the banks in a financial crisis. But there tend to be more jobs in the sell side, I think, during a crisis. And there's a lot less layoffs in general. Just because more regulation comes in, it's usually tacked onto these banks. And the only way to meet these regulations is to hire more people to manage the risk that they weren't managing before. And now they're going to make things slightly better, but slightly worse. I know, it's chaos. But for me, I think that's where I see the most jobs being. So there are still jobs. They're still going to be hiring. They still need new hires. And what I mean by this is you start to see, for example, people still retire across the board in all the industries. Um, during financial crises as well, when people are kind of you know, on edge, 
some people that are like sitting off well, so someone that might be in a prop firm or even a bank that's like really high up, has made a ton of money, they might say, screw it, I'm just gonna retire. Some people might work a little bit longer though. On the flip side of this, I had a boss that wanted to work an extra five years after the 2008 crises because they needed to like make sure their assets kind of regrew back to where they should be and then they could officially retire. But I think the risk ratings of this is going to be prop trading, hedge funds, high risk firms, massively risky, jobs aren't going to really be available. In the middle, a lot less jobs available, kind of sparse, going to be challenging opportunities to find, is going to be wealth management or other buy side that is more safe, more reasonably done, better risk management practices. But again, the market's not going to be booming, so there are not going to be as many jobs. And then finally, I think the safest bet is going to be the sell side on the banking side. Again, I know I'm somewhat biased because my career's in this side, but I believe that you'll see banks have more regulations um, which will require more quants, more hires. Now, how fast is this going to happen? I think this is the question to ask. Okay, 2008, we had the crisis. DFAS came out in 2010. Implementation hiring went between 2010 and 2012 was like the big hire. And there's still some hiring going on into like 2014. If we had a financial crisis here, let's say, I don't know, end of 2022, middle to end of 2022 here, and we wane it out and we see what happens they're going to be hiring in probably 2024. So that's really going to be starting and booming. If you started a master's, again, I encourage two-year master's, which I know most of them don't exist. They're a year and a half. Um, you'll be sitting right about that sweet spot for hiring. Um, now, should you delay a master's to do this? I would say no. Okay, I know this sounds crazy, but it depends on your opportunities that you currently have. If you're graduating from undergrad, I would go straight for the master's. If they're going to have a financial crisis, just realistically, you know, plan on, okay, it's going to take a few years. There might be a six month to eight month period where we're kind of struggling to get going. Now, if you're an international student, you only have so much time to find a job and an opportunity. And this is when a lot of students will go for a second master's, which might be actually a really good opportunity here. Because sometimes you can team up two masters and you can finish them in like two years or two and a half years. And that would buy you enough time to kind of, you know, hit the window of when jobs are going to be hiring again, when the market's starting to turn back around. And having two masters isn't that terrible of a thing. I know, I know, it's expensive. Masters are not cheap in the United States, but I think it's a good opportunity to kind of stick it out and go with it. Um, the reason that you might postpone it is maybe you already have a job, you're making good money, you don't plan on getting laid off, you have the option to postpone your master's degree one year, you don't really mind waning, um, go for it. Then, right? You might be able to extend it and hit even a just better sweet spot of instead of like two years, you'd hit like, you know, two to three years out from the crises. That might be good timing. But again, for me, it's like, it's life. Like just dive in head first, get your hands dirty, you know, just work really hard and make it happen. That's really the mentality. I think you need to be a top quant. Yes, it'll be slightly more challenging during a financial crisis, but I think there'll be opportunities across the board. You're just gonna have to be open and flexible to those different opportunities. And then finally here to jump into the thoughts on cryptocurrency and FinTech. FinTech I think is less risky than the crypto world. The crypto world seems to be completely melting down at this point. I think a lot of this, as some people have pointed out in articles and you know discussions, is that many people that have been playing the Bitcoin markets, the Ethereum markets, creating their own cryptocurrencies and all this, they don't actually believe in DeFi, so decentralized finance. And what I mean by this is decentralized finance is trying to move away from this government micromanaged form that we have because the Federal Reserve that manages the U.S. economy and you know governments worldwide 
can't figure out how to manage economics because we're stuck in this Keynesian ideology here in the United States. Um, You have socialism and communism in many other countries going around. And capitalism seems to be this very unpopular thing, even though this has made us a booming world dominant country for a long enough time. But we've made really poor decisions over the last, oh man, 30s, since the 30s to the 50s, 60s, 70s, somewhere in there, um, where we've really adopted the Keynesian mentality of spin, spin, spin. If we can spend more, the economy can grow more. It does not matter about anything else. It's just about spending. Um, this is horrible economics. This violates just common sense 101. If not, please go read you know Adam Smith's The Wealth of Nations, written in 1776, which is one of my favorite books. Again, economics, you can study it like an actual science, but most people don't. They try to study it as how do we manipulate the markets? How do we cheat the system? And how do we rack up massive amounts of debt? And there'll be no consequences. And that's really what Keynesian has taught us and going off the gold standard has kind of been pushing, which is why DeFi is somewhat coming in of, you know, this could be an option of how do we get rid of governments? So the Federal Reserve of the United States from micromanaging markets to the point that they're non-functional. So these are things that we need to think about. These are going to be issues that we see coming up with DeFi and cryptocurrencies. Again, most people I don't think truly believe in it because if they did, they would have sold all their US dollars, everything they had and moved it into like Bitcoin, for example. But now as we see it's crashing, people are jumping out and trying to get out of the way. And a lot of people are trading it as this, you know, get quick, rich opportunity where they're kind of like trading it, day trading it between dollars and Bitcoin. Um, Again, you're not really a DeFi believer. I think DeFi as a whole system has many issues. It's a whole other discussion though in itself. Um, But DeFi, I think, is going to be a risky area to be in. So cryptocurrencies, again, high risk, high return. It's been extremely speculative. I don't see a lot of people that truly like buy into the whole DeFi system. I'm not against it, but there are a lot of issues with it and things need to be worked out. I just don't see a lot of great opportunities on the horizon if you focus just in cryptocurrencies and just in DeFi. Now, that being said, this might be an awesome opportunity to get in if markets are going to be down and we think there's going to be a rebound. But how governments interact with the DeFi markets, that's going to be still up in the air. And I don't see a lot of movement happening, at least in the la- in the next you know two to four years here. So it's an opportunity. There's interesting jobs in that space, but there's not going to be a lot of growth, I don't think, over the, la- over the next like two to four years, especially if we hit a crisis here. And then finally, fintech. Thoughts on fintech. Fintech's going to be somewhat risky as a career in general, right? It's more, it's cutting edge, it's new technologies. As markets crash opportunities somewhat shrink up for everybody across the board. And so you're going to be kind of in a stuck in a tight spot where there might be great opportunities. You might be able to create some sort of new product that's going to boom because people need this during a crisis. Um, But you also think about, do they have risk management practices in place? How are they managing these risks? Again, are they going to be impacted by regulations? If they are, if they're going to be nailed by regulations and they can stay afloat financially, you'll see more jobs and more quants being hired off into the fintech space. Uh, again, I think fintech, depending where you are in fintech, could solve some really interesting problems. You might have a little bit of edge on banks here because you're smaller. You have you know a little bit more mobility. You can make moves quicker. Those sorts of things. So I think fintech is still something you should keep on the horizon. So my final recommendation for this is I would look into and think about this. You know, I would just go for the masters. I wouldn't worry about postponing it and trying to get timing. Timing is hard to get. And again, live life. You know, work hard. And I think if you do that, you'll see there'll be opportunities on the horizon. You might just need to be a little more flexible than I must work in prop firm. I must be a trader and uh, be all those crazy people that think they're going to make millions end up not making it. 
But I would consider the sell side on the banks. Like there's going to be more opportunities there. There's going to be growth, opportunities, things to do there, improvements to be made. I would consider fintech as well. I think it's a little bit risky, but there are going to be some good opportunities depending where you're looking in the markets here. Uh, the things I would think that are high risk, high reward, and in a financial crisis, when you have high risk, you're probably not going to get much of a reward here. I would somewhat be realizing if you really want to get into cryptocurrencies and DeFi, this might not be the best time to do it. And the second side of this being the buy side, again, I would avoid the super high risk hedge funds. It'd be awesome to get into one. You can still try to get into one, not saying to avoid it if an opportunity comes up, but just realize these are high risk, high reward positions, and there's not going to be a lot of new opportunities during a crisis. But again, you can go into the wealth management side, look for things that are working in big funds, big pensions, big 401k, you know, retirement plans, those sorts of things. So anyways, those are my takes. Those are my opinions. Thanks for watching. And as always, until next time.